You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast and we'll spend our time learning Torah, talking Torah, having fun while we learn. So, if you'd like to contact the show, you can always send questions to my mailbag or comments, if they're nice. Well, keep them nice. Uh, to Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com. Um, or you can call the show if you'd like at 844-999-9249. Sorry for the hiccup at the end of the last show. Um, there was a technical difficulty that delayed the music. But, um, of course, my team came through. And uh, I started a story. And I will restart the story. And uh, we'll take this week's story portion from there. So it was a professor... And he's sitting in his testing room, and he tells all the students, when that clock hits 2 o'clock, everyone must hand in their test. If you hand in your test even a minute late, even 30 seconds late, I am not accepting the test. Okay, it's a big room, it's a quiet room, and everybody's taking the test, and you hear the scratching and the writing, and they're handing in the test, and time is up, and everybody hands in the test. And one guy is so focused, we'll call him Benji. Benji is so focused on his test that he does not realize that everybody has already left and handed in the test. About seven minutes later, Benji looks up, sees the time at the clock, quickly runs to the front. Oh, Professor, I'm so sorry. I did not see the time. I was so focusing trying to write the full answers, and uh, I'm really, really sorry. And the professor says, look, I told you that I am not accepting the tests after 2 o'clock. It's too bad. I'm very happy that you knew all the answers and you were very focused, but a rule's a rule. Two o'clock came and went. You're seven minutes late. I am not taking your test. Please, I tried so hard. I can't fail this. Professor has nothing doing. So Benji says to the professor, very smart guy is Benji. Benji says to the professor, uh, Mr. Professor, do you know who I am? And the professor says, you know, I have hundreds and hundreds of students. I have no idea who you are. You're sure you don't know who I am? He says, I am positive. I have no idea who you are. Okay, you're, you're sure. You look at me, no picture, no face, no name, no nothing. The says, I'm telling you, I have no idea who you are. Benji says, great. He takes his test paper, sticks it into the middle of the pile of tests, and runs out of the classroom. Smart guy. You know, sometimes... There's a benefit in people not knowing who you are. Sometimes there's a benefit in being humble. And that is something that uh, the person in this week's Torah portion um, had no clue what it meant to be humble. He completely missed it. He was as opposite, as humble as you can get. He was the famous Bilam. However, the Torah portion is not named after him. It's named after a king by the name of Balak. And that in itself is fascinating that this guy, Balak, who, by the way, technically is a great-great-great-great-grandfather of King David, um, the Torah portion is named after him. The Jewish people have arrived outside the land of Israel. 
Um, they already have conquered two great kings, one by the name of Sihon, one by the name of Og. They were giants. They were monsters. Um, they were actually paid to protect the land of Israel from the Jewish people coming in, and they did a very poor job because both of them were killed, their countries were defeated, and the Jewish people have started spreading out over their country. As a matter of fact, two and a half tribes want to build, um, not, not this week's report, they want to build cities um, to keep their children here, they want to live here, and they'll move in. They'll go fight in the land of Israel, but they want to live in this land on the other side of the Jordan. Balak becomes the king of Moab, and uh, he's got a problem. Like he sees the Jewish people are conquering. Now he really knew that the Jewish people were not looking to um, conquer his nation. It was more of he didn't like all those Jews being outside his country. And even though he knew they weren't supposed to fight with him, but he didn't like it. He wanted to do what he could to destroy them. Now, he knew that he couldn't destroy them fighting because these two big armies with giants that, uh, that were well-known that no one could beat them up or conquer their armies if they've been destroyed. So his Moab has no shot. So he says, maybe there's another way. Where is their power coming from? What is the power of their leader, this Moses? So he said, well, this Moses lived in Midian, and he married a girl from Midian, and uh, maybe investigates. They investigate, and they find out that Moses' power, of course, is through talking to God, the power of prayer. So Bullock says, I know a guy who also uses the power of speech to defeat people. His name is Bilam. Bilam had the power to curse. It is quite debatable. What does it mean that Bilam had the power to curse? As we say, curse me all day long, but if God wants to bless me, I'm good. Right? I, I'm not worried about your curses when God's in control and God says, I'm blessed. So what exactly was Bilam's power? So this is really debatable. Some say he knew the millisecond. It seems God gets angry every day for a millisecond. And Bilaam knew when that time was. And if Bilaam would curse somebody out, either saying one word during that millisecond or, or finishing his curse at that millisecond, then God would, would actually curse or destroy whatever he wanted. The Talmud says, right, we have to be thankful that God did not get angry during any of the days when Bilaam was sent to curse the Jewish people. Because if he would have, it could have been problematic. What's interesting to, to keep in mind when we talk about this Torah portion, so we haven't gotten into the story yet, and Bulk's going to try to hire Bilaam, and Bilaam's going to refuse, and, and Bulk's going to send more messengers and offer more money, um, and eventually Bilaam will come. Before we get into that, and we'll see if we have time to get into that. Um, there's really something more important that we should be focusing on in this Torah portion. From the beginning of the Torah, from the beginning of time, till this point, there's always somebody who saw the miracle. Okay, you have um, Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, and you have Noah from the ark, and you have Abraham with the, with the he was thrown into the fire, and and uh, he almost slaughters his son uh, Isaac, and you have Jacob, a different miracle that with Jacob, and you have the, the 12 
brothers ready to get down to Egypt, and we have Moses, and we have the ten plagues, and we have leaving Egypt, and we have destroying the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. I mean, this is taking place over thousands of years, right? And we have the Torah is given to the Jewish people, and other miracles that happen in the desert. We get the water, and we get the manna food, and we're protected by the clouds. The story of Balak hiring Bilam to curse the Jewish people and Bilam not being allowed to curse the Jewish people. And not only that, but Bilam blessing the Jewish people. So God has it written down as a Torah portion, but we didn't witness it. We did not see it. We didn't know about it. If it wouldn't be written in the Torah, we would never know about it, and we would just go along our merry old way. So God writes down the Torah portion of, called Balak, but really where Bilam attempted to curse the Jewish people. And God did not allow Bilam to curse the Jewish people for a very important point. That even when we don't know that God is taking care of us, even when we don't see the miracles God is doing for us, he's doing miracles for us. He's always doing miracles for us. He's always taking care of us. We may not see those miracles. We may not feel those miracles. But we need to know that God is always taking care of the Jewish people. Always, always. But like I told you, this Bilaam is the opposite of humble. He is the haughtiest person um, that you could really ever run into. What happens? So Bullock sends messengers to hire Bilaam. Bilaam was a sought-after man to curse people. I told you he knew the second one God would, would, uh, would get angry. Others say maybe he didn't really have the power to curse, but perhaps he could see the future. He was a prophet. Bilaam is the non-Jewish prophet. So that the nations of the world can't complain to God and say, how come you didn't give us a prophet? If we would have had a prophet like Moses, we would have also become very special. God says, no problem. I'm going to give you a prophet. His name is Bilaam. And let's see what happens. And sure enough, when things happened in the world, they ran to Bilaam. Bilaam, what's going on? What's God doing? So, for example, when, when God gave the Torah to the Jewish people and the world was shaking, the world knew something was going on over here. So they went to Bilaam and said, Bilaam, what's going on? What's the noise? What's the, what's the excitement? What's, what's happening? And Bilaam says, eh, God is giving the Jewish people the Torah. Nothing for you to concern yourself about. So even when they had a prophet, um, he was of no help to them. So Bilaam is a prophet on the level of Moses, by the way. So he's a great prophet. He talks to God, but he's a wicked guy. And he's fantastically haughty, which is interesting because God doesn't like to talk to haughty people. It seems he has to knock Bilaam down sometimes just to make sure that Bilaam's a little bit humble for a few minutes so that he can talk to him. So what happens? So Balak sends messengers to Bilaam. And he says, I want you to come curse this nation for me. Bilaam knew good and well that he wanted him to curse the Jewish people. It was not a question. Bilaam also knew he can't go without God's permission. So he says to the messengers, guys, you know, I got to talk to God. I got to get permission. And um, I'll tell you tomorrow morning. So God comes to him and says, Bilaam, who are these people? What do they want? So Bilaam says, oh, they want me to go uh, curse some nation. So God says, you know who they want to curse, and you're not going. 
You do not have permission to go. Bill gets up the next morning, and again, I told you, Bill was a really, what we call in Hebrew, about gaiva. He's really haughty. And Bill says, guys, I'm so sorry. God says I can't go with you. Right? He added a word. Right? In other words, Bill wants them to think, look, God didn't tell me no. God can't tell me no. I'm a great guy. But you guys I can't go with. So they go back home. They tell Bullock what happened. And Bullock says, oh, I guess he needs more honor. And I told you that Billam is a very haughty person. Everybody knew this. He probably needs more honor. Let's get some bigger generals and some bigger officers and some more people, more important people to go speak to Billam, and that will bring him back to us. Okay. So um, they go back, and again, Billam says, Look, guys, I can't go without God's permission. So I'm going to have to ask God. So, and again, he has to admit that it's not him, which automatically knocks you down a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. So God again comes and says, Bilaam, what's going on? So Bilaam says, they want me to come curse uh, the, you know, the Jewish people. I'm going to make a lot of money. You don't want me to make money? This is how I make my living. So God says, look, you could go with them. I don't suggest it, but you could go with them. But let me tell you something. You are not saying one word without my permission. You're not cursing no Jewish people at all. Now, it's also interesting to think about, by the way. Why does Bill have to go to Bullock? He can't curse long distance. I can curse you and bless you from wherever I am. But again, Bill understands he can't do anything without God's say so. So he's going to go with Bullock's people. And it's interesting. God already told you he's not cursing the Jewish people. Why are you going? You think you're going to change God's mind? So obviously, Billam was so haughty, he figured he could, uh, you know, he could slide something by God. He could get away with it somehow. Why he thinks this, I don't know, but certainly part of it is his, uh, his haughtiness, his, his uh, grand, grand, grander thoughts about himself. But in any case, um, so he goes, on the way, he saddles his donkey. It seems a donkey was an unusual animal to ride in those days. It was an unusual animal. Normally, if you would travel, you'd travel by horse, by wagon. He's actually traveling by donkey. Um, it seems they get a little bit separated. They're going through certain paths, and the donkey um, goes off the path, and Billam hits the donkey, and then the donkey crushes his leg against the wall, and again Billam hits the donkey, and, and then... Uh, the donkey like just stops in its place and like lies on Billam, and again Billam is hitting him, because Billam didn't know that the donkey saw this angel standing there with a sword ready to kill Billam. The donkey saw it because animals can see these things. People would go crazy. Um, the 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 donkey then talks. This is not the cartoons. This is not the movies. This is real that God gave the ability for the donkey to talk. Why is that unusual? Because animals don't have a soul. We talked about soul in our last segment. You need a soul to have the ability to talk. Animals don't have souls. So an animal can't talk. But this time the donkey talks. And it says to Bilam, and now it seems his, uh, his, uh, his attendants, uh, these officers are watching this conversation. And the donkey says to Bilam, now I don't know if the officers heard the donkey talk. But they understood that Billam and the donkey were having a conversation. 
And Bilm certainly thought that the, the officers were hearing in on the conversation. Stonky says, what did you hit me for? He says, you didn't listen to me. He, I said, well, you know I take care of you. You know, if I'm moving out of the way, there's got to be something wrong. Right? Why, wh- why are you hitting me? You had no right to hit me. Then Billam starts to have a conversation. The Talmud says, I don't know this donkey. The donkey says, of course you know me. You always ride with me. You hang out with me day and night. You do all kinds of things to me. You know good and well who I am. So the question, you know, one of the questions is, before we even get into what now happens to Billam, um, if you're having an argument, like we have arguments with people. You have an argument with somebody at work. You have an argument with a spouse. I hope not. Um, but you don't have an argument with a five-year-old, really. You're the adult, right? If the five-year-old accuses you of doing something, you tell people the kid's lying. Right? You're, not, you're not impressed because somebody accuses you of something. Even somebody in your office could, could accuse you of something. And you'll say the guy's a liar. Why are you believing him? The police come and accuse you of something? The guy's lying. You've got to prove I did something wrong. Yeah, that's not a proof. He's lying. He doesn't like me. If I'm Billum, I say, this crazy animal. The animal is lying. He says that uh, I mistreat him. I had no right to hit him. I this, I that. Uh, the animal is lying. Why didn't Bill say the animal is lying? So it's interesting. It seems everybody understands that animals are not supposed to talk. If animals could talk, there's something that people have that animals don't, and that is the ability to lie. Unfortunately, as people, we have the ability to lie. Sometimes we're supposed to lie. Sometimes to make peace, we can't always tell the truth. Sometimes to not hurt someone's feelings, we can't always say the way it is. So people have this ability to lie. Animals do not have the ability to lie. So Bill understood if the animal is talking, no one is going to believe him over the animal, which is fascinating. Once no one's going to believe him over the animal, again, that, that has to knock down Bill a beggar to to say, you're not being so honest. Right? You're not such an honest fellow. So the donkey actually dies because it would be embarrassing for Bilaam that this is the animal that bested Bilaam. So Bilaam makes his way to Bullock, and in actuality, um, Bilaam is going to attempt three different times to curse the Jewish people. God will not let. God will put a prophecy in Bilaam's mouth, and God will force Bilaam to say the prophecy. Uh, Bullock, of course, will be unhappy that the guy he hired to curse the Jewish people is not cursing him. And Bill will say, what do you want for my life? I told you that I can't say anything that God doesn't want me to say. So again, the haughty Billam is being knocked down over and over where Billam tries to tell the world, I'm in complete control. God is showing the world Billam is not in control, which takes us back to what we said at the beginning of the show. That God is in control. No one can ever think that they're in control and they want to hurt the Jewish people or they want to hurt anybody. We are never in control. God is always in control. Does he allow things to happen? Yes. Why does he allow things to happen? I have no idea. But God is always in complete control. And what, by the way, when you recognize and when you understand and when you feel that God is in complete control, then you don't worry. What's to worry? This one's getting sick, unfortunately. That one's getting sick, unfortunately. Will I get sick? I don't know if I'll get sick. I don't know if you'll get sick. If I live my life that God is in control, again, we've talked. It doesn't mean I don't have to be careful. It doesn't mean I don't take medicine. It doesn't mean I don't exercise. It doesn't mean I don't eat well. It doesn't mean I don't wear a mask when I'm in public. 
I, I have to do, again, we talked about that word, hishtadlis. I got to do my effort. But as long as I know that when I do my effort, that God is in complete control, there's nothing to be nervous. Whatever God wants is going to be. So if he wants me to get sick, I'm getting sick anyways. If he does want me to get sick and I do my part, so God will make sure I don't get sick. And if he wants me to get sick and I'll, and I'll, and I, and I'll die, that's what he wanted. It's not in my control. So if it's not my control, no point in being nervous about it. No, no point in, in, in getting nervous over it. I, I have to do what I have to do, but I have to remember God is in control. And that's what God is showing us with this Torah portion. God says these haughty people that thought they could do whatever they want, you cannot do whatever you want. You can only do what God is going to allow you to do. Um, so there's a lot of famous blessings that Bilaam gives the Jewish people. Some of them were incorporated into prayers. The, at one point, the rabbis wanted to incorporate like all these blessings into the prayers, and, but they didn't. Um, but there's a few famous ones. Um, one of them is that Bilaam refers to the Jewish people as a nation alone. A nation alone that, unlike other religions, that will swallow up other religions, like the Christians, uh, Christians and Muslims are the best examples, where early on they swallowed up other religions, but the only way to swallow them up was to take on some of their rules and regulations. So they, those religions were not alone. They become a, a combination of other religions. The Jewish people, the Jewish religion is a nation alone. We don't incorporate anything. We do, and uh, we talked about this earlier in the, in the last segment, the last show, that, that the Jewish people does... What God says. We don't change the rules. We don't add to the rules. We don't subtract the rules. There are people that may not follow all the rules, but hopefully they understand you may not want to keep all the rules, but you understand that these are the rules and regulations. We don't change the rules and regulations because the times change and people think it would be better to do things differently. We do the rules and regulations that the Torah talks about. So um, that's the idea of being alone. Also, the fact that we're a nation alone has allowed us to survive throughout all the millennia, right? For the most part, the Jewish people have been in exile all these years, and we survived quite well. Maybe things weren't always so good, but we survived as a nation for thousands of years in exile. And that can only be because we are a nation alone. We have our religion. We don't play with the religion. We don't change the religion and by not changing and being alone, being separate, it has allowed the Jewish people to survive. So, um, I, you know, we're talking about alone, we're talking about haughtiness and humbleness, but um, actually, um, I had a story about love. I thought it was such an interesting story. Um, if I have time, I'll give you two stories, but here's an interesting thought. A very good thought, something to leave us with. Um, something to think about. So a guy is going into the restaurant and he sees an older couple, probably in their 80s, going in. And the husband orders one hamburger and one thing of french fries. And he sits down with his wife and he cuts the hamburger in half. And he, he divvies up the french fries. One for me, one for you, one for me, one for you. And there's a guy watching. And he thinks, wow, you know, such a beautiful couple. They probably can't afford the second hamburger. Let me offer to buy him another hamburger. 
So he goes over to the table. He says, you know, I, I'm watching you divvy up everything. So beautiful. Looks like you have such a beautiful relationship. Um, do you mind if I buy you a, another hamburger? So the wife says, we do mind. Everything we do, we share. We have always, always shared. We share everything. We share the hamburger. We share the french fries. We share the soda. We share everything. We do not just each buy our own separate portion. That's not how we do things. Okay? So uh, the guy's watching, and he says, um, so if you're sharing, how come your husband's eating and you're not eating? So he said, So the wife says, I'm waiting for his teeth. Okay, now that's a little bit over the top. I don't think when it comes to sharing everything, we should share each other's teeth. But at least if we understood that when, it, when we talk about love, and love means sharing, and love means caring, how far are you willing to go to actually share? Will you go that far? I don't know. And now my music is right on time. So I hope, as always, you've enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know I can't do it without you. Thank you to our wonderful production team. We have David and Angel in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.